This is the Tabernacle Podcast with Adam Sharp and me, Britton Bishop. What's up, Adam? What's up, bro? Bro, it sounds weird in here. It does. Where are we? <laughs> I feel like I'm back in boot camp for one. I'm in a massive room with a bunch of beds uh, no. that our bunch of dudes are sleeping in. Yes, we are live yeah. at Camp 23. The students are currently, I think, playing dodgeball and yep. globe ball in yep. the rain. And it's sweaty. And as good youth pastors, Adam and I decided <laughs> to stay dry. That's right. So, no, uh, kids are out. We are joined today um, by the one and only, literally, the one and only. Nobody else. <laughs> Paul Epperson. Paul is our Camp 23 speaker. He is a husband. He is a father. Um, he is a traveling itinerant evangelist with Forge Ministries, similar to our last guest, Adrian Dupre. And uh, yeah, Paul, we are glad you're here. And I have no idea why I'm sitting like this. <laughs> <laughs> it's not our normal space, I know, okay? I don't know what to do. <laughs> well, hey, it's an honor to be here, guys. I, I got a great compliment earlier. I said, you kind of look and sound like a skinny Larry the Cable guy. I said, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Adam, you're really sharp too, bro. Thanks, man. Seriously. Appreciate that. Anyway, just so you guys know, it's it's day three out here. Day three. We're, <laughs> we're desperate. That's right. You can tell just by how my hair looks. We're struggling. This episode's yeah. brought to you by Mountain Dew Baja Blast. <laughs> Dew with a blast of natural and, I like how they, they've had to throw us in there, artificial, <laughs> tropical lime flavor. At this and point, we're going, what, what year is it? We yeah. don't know. Adam's don't know. drinking prebiotic soda, so we know yeah. where his stomach's at. <laughs> <laughs> Working on that gut health, bro. I don't even know what this is, but it's good. I uh, love it, man. Where's John? Still on vacation? What is that about? Probably. Man, yeah. No. He's no, not at camp he's not. 23. He probably, was. Probably flexing. I saw them guns the other day, bro. Oh, he's he on the like, oh, no. family picture. I was like, would you just do push-ups <laughs> on vacation? <laughs> Steroids and push-ups. Uh, <laughs> I know it. I uh, love it. So, uh, yeah, um, we decided today um, we're going to record an episode because why not? It's fun. And we've got Maddie Brown, which mm-hmm. none of you can see, and she doesn't have a mic, but she is on the production side of things. Mm-hmm. So we're going to hear uh, Paul Epperson's Changed Life story. So, Paul, uh, take it away. Yep, thanks for having me on, guys. Matty, awesome job. Uh, well, I think I want to start in the womb, because I remember some light coming in there. <laughs> no. um, I'm going to pick up probably um, probably about high school uh, for me, because I grew up in church, and everybody didn't get that opportunity. I grew up with a great family. Uh, my parents both loved the Lord, um, and so that was neat, kind of having that. You know, my, they, they always spent time with me, so I had that going for me going in. But I was bred for sports, right? Every, everything was sports this, sports that. I played all the sports. Uh, wasn't good as, you know, wasn't good as B-Rip in football. But, you know, whatever. Um, but uh, baseball was my thing, you know. Uh, I love baseball. I wanted to be a, a major league baseball player. Probably never would have made it, but in my mind I thought I could. Um, but my, my identity in my life was wrapped around that, uh, if I'm honest. And, and really, uh, my, my identity was wrapped around me. I just love me. Uh, I was Mr. Popularity. I was the joke guy. I was the guy drinking Bark Street beer in, in the first period class farting. Oh, wait, you can't say that on the podcast. <laughs> sure you can. Um, it's our podcast. Breaking, you can do whatever you want. Breaking the, not the wind of the spirit in the classroom. <laughs> and, um, uh, but I was that guy, right? And uh, nobody gave me a chance to succeed at anything other than sports. So uh, I just kind of did that. I remember going into my uh, my senior year. Oh, no, no, my 10th and 11th grade year going into my senior year. Uh, like, I was just not a, I was not a school guy, right? I mean, math, like, two plus two is five kind of thing for me. They, they, my, my math teacher sent me down the first half of the semester and says, you're going to need to make 100 on everything before and after Christmas. I said, can I go down and hit the batting cage? So, like, for the rest of the semester of school, they, she sent me down to the batting cage. My football coach goes, 
Paul, we're going to bring that math grade up. I said, well, if you ain't got a crane, it ain't coming up. It was that kind of guy, right? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, but anyway, so I, I um, going into my senior year, I had a scholarship to go play baseball at a college I chose in, in Jackson, Mississippi, from Mississippi. And, um, man, at that time, man, I, it literally felt like the weight of the world was on my shoulders. It was one of those things that I was just living for myself, doing everything that I wanted to do. Had everything that I wanted, you know, everything that I had, my, my goals, my dreams were coming you know, into play. Uh, like I said, the scholarship was there. And, uh, man, it's just, it just one day that I was just so stinking weighted down. And I said, I've got everything going for me. I got, I'm dating the girl that I want to date. I'm doing this. And I was like, man, I'm, I'm miserable inside. But I, I, I lived my life. I could put on the show. I knew the church game. I knew how to be a hypocrite, if I can say it that way. Mm-hmm. I knew how to say, man, that Paul's like the best guy ever. But inside, I'm doing everything I want to do, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so, um, yeah, my, my senior year, it came to the point where in my living room, I said, Lord, I can't do this anymore. Like, I know you're real, and I'm tired of running. And I literally just like Lord said, follow me. And I knew at that moment I had a choice to make. And uh, could, would I keep, you know, would I keep going on my path? Would I take that scholarship? Could be good, be great. But I knew at that moment, man, Jesus, you, you just, you've done more for me in, in a literally five minutes than baseball's done for me my entire life. Mm. And uh, so I dropped the scholarship, uh, much to the dismay of, of others. Mm. Um, but it didn't matter. Like, I found something that, that I'd really been wanting for all along, and I couldn't find it in baseball. Um, so yeah, so from there I dropped that and, um, uh, ended up getting married to the woman I'm married to now. I'm curious before we jump into yeah, that, because that's 14 episodes, uh, <laughs> love Natalie. Um, but the, so like the surrendering of like the sports thing and walking through that time going into senior year, but also like growing up in a Christian home, like where were you at? With Jesus, kind of like you said, you were a hypocrite and stuff like that. But like in your thought processes and stuff, like when you're walking into the church or you're at worship or stuff like that, like kind of where were you at in your head with all that? Like, man, this is a waste of time, or this is yeah, yeah. Actually, I went there to to just date good, the, the pretty girls. I mean, if I'm honest, I mean, I, I was I was not there for Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Um, I don't know if it's a if it's a southern thing, and maybe it's it's everywhere. I don't know. I just grew up in the south, and and uh, but. So other thing is, you know, you, you, you look like you have all the answers on the outside, but on the inside, it's just not there, right? And so it's like a, kind of like what Jesus said to the Pharisees, you know, the outside looks really good. It's a mm-hmm. cup that's clean on the outside, but inside it's full of dead people's bones. That's how I was with Jesus. For me, I, I like the idea of Jesus. I like what Jesus could do for me. I like the fact that, man, I didn't want to go to hell. You know, because mm-hmm. when I was about five years old, I remember my mom sharing the gospel with me, and I would run around the house, and I said, Mom, I gave my heart to Jesus. I did it three times, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I wanted it to stick, you know. Um, but, but growing up, that Jesus that I, that I had believed in as a child didn't play much into what I was doing as a teenager. I only stuck with him because of what he could do for me. Mm-hmm. Could he protect me? Would he keep me from having an accident? Would he keep me, you know, you know what I'm saying? Keep my yeah, popularity sure. going, those types of things. It was a genie mm-hmm. in the bottle. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So coming out of that, surrender the baseball scholarship and uh, head off. You met Natalie in high school, right? I did. I yep. Yeah. So yep. what, how did you guys meet? Did you know you were going to marry Natalie from the start? Did she know who you were? Yeah. <laughs> well, I always she, saw her checking she... me out in my baseball pants. I was like, uh, you got to stop. Okay. Whatever. But her dad came to be the headmaster for just one semester. And I really believe God did that mm. on purpose. Um, so for me, I didn't notice who she was at all. She was actually the, her, her testimony, that's hers to tell, but she followed Jesus. I mean, people made fun of her for that. I mean, all that kind of stuff. I gave approval of us making fun of her one time. Like, yeah, like a Saul, you know, like, yeah, go ahead and get, do it. Um, but man, she, when God opened my eyes to him first and he did, um, and he said, follow me. Then he opened my eyes to her character and I went, 
I've never met a girl like her. Mm-hmm. You know, she loved Christ, and she, she has, still does. So you guys went to the same church? Though? We did. Went to the same church. Okay. She played in the praise team. You know, I, but I didn't notice her right. at all. Um, because she just wasn't the type of girl I dated, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. You know how it is. I'm not, that, right. She was not it. Yeah. Um, but man, when when I started, my eyes were open to Christ. I was like, I saw how awesome He is, and I was like, man, this is great. It's almost like He goes, hey, psst, check out that one. That's the one I got for you. Yeah. And I, I promise you, sounds weird. It's all it's all it took. And I said, that's the one. Yeah. So I went up to her and I did what anybody would do with come on lines. I said, nice weather we're having. She goes, it's flooding outside. <laughs> Still <laughs> nice weather. That's the stupidest thing I've ever yes, heard. exactly right. Yeah. But it apparently worked. It worked, yeah. I picked the flowers in the front office that were out in the front, and I said, here, you want these? So, <laughs> yes, I did. I did. So, but look, so anyway, on the podcast, if you would like to know how to, how to reach a girl like that, you just need to pick flowers that aren't yours and talk about the weather when it's raining. So you do that, you're good. Yeah, you're one for one. One for one. So um, When you... I want to go back to you giving up that scholarship because mm-hmm. that's a big deal 100%. to give up a scholarship like that. And you said there were some different feelings about that. What was that process like, man, like to give that up? And, um, yeah, how, how was that process? Because that's, yeah. that's huge. That's a good question, Adam. Um, for me, everything had been so primed for me to do that, right? It was just – I actually got – when I was in the All-Star game, you know, kind of deal with had the state All-Star deal or whatever – after the game, had a good game. Our team won. Our side won, of course. But, um, but at the end of it, I just went, it's empty. Like, there's nothing here. Like, I literally, I've, I've achieved what I wanted. I've achieved everything that I thought was, was the goal, right? And it was just empty. And I realized in that moment that when Jesus, from his word, he says, follow me. And he says it to Matthew. He says it to others. But he says it to us, too. And it's like, personally, when I heard that for him, there was something there. There was a meaning there. So, uh, baseball lost its value to me even before that. So for me, it really wasn't a hard decision. Um, I was tired. I was tired of playing the game. And not just baseball. I was tired of playing this whole game that I, mm-hmm. that I thought was what Christianity was all about. Yeah. And so uh, when I met the real Jesus, like the, the living Jesus, man, somebody asked me one time, said, Paul, do you regret not giving up that scholarship? I said, no. I said, man, you could offer me. And I mean this. This is not like, oh, look at Paul. This is look at Jesus. He said, you could offer me the fattest contract right now, Major League Baseball, like the old school A-Rod contract. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure somebody's better now. But um, he said, you could offer me that contract right now and said, if you'll just not follow Jesus that way, just do what – it would not even be a question in my mind. Yeah. If you could have the Hall of Fame baseball mm-hmm. life, yeah. I would say it's not – no, yeah. because Jesus is far greater. Mm-hmm. And so in that context of what you're asking, Adam, at that point – I just, I was tired of all of it. Yeah. And Jesus offered me something better. So it's, you know, it's almost like when you say I can have a Thanksgiving meal or I can have a ham sandwich. I like ham sandwiches. I do. Especially mm-hmm. my mama used to make them. So she did something that just was good. <laughs> uh, but but when, when I look at that, I'm going, I want the Thanksgiving meal yeah. right. when Jesus offered me that meal. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, it's no comparison. Yeah. So when you say you're, you were tired, mm-hmm. right? You're tired of baseball, but also like that kind of tired of playing the game, all that stuff. What would you kind of speak to, like, the individuals maybe that listen to this that maybe find themselves in that spot but don't even know they're there, mm-hmm. right? Because I think sometimes we just get in the rhythm of whatever that might be. So maybe even being able to speak into the person to let them know, like, hey, this is how you might know you're there, and this mm-hmm. is how you can get out. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good question, Britt. <clears throat> um, I would think, like, for me, um, you know, when, you, when you're constantly on this performance train, right, I mean, whether what, how well you do and how well you don't do really determines your attitude, mm. right? Um, when you're on that, that wheel, when how many errors you make or how many hits you get or don't get um, begins to determine how you live your life and what you live for. When, you are, when you're constantly, you know, uh, in the cages or in the gym simply for the sake of getting that attention that you want, you're mm. on that train. 
right? And that train's going to derail at some point. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think I think also when you when nobody's around, when you don't have the game anymore, like if it were to take away from you right now, would you even know what to do and how to function? And I think for me, that was the big thing as well. So for people that go, man, I have to have this. This is my life. Well, you know you're on that train and you don't, you don't know it, but you're on it, right? Yeah. I'm curious too to another side of that because you were the athlete in that. Mm-hmm. But was there pressure from outside yourself mm-hmm. to perform in those spaces? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think so to some degree. My parents were pretty good. I mean, they right. had expectations too. Yeah. I mean, they loved the Lord, but they they – I think they were they really wanted that like that's what kind of what yeah. we had been gearing for you know my dad played college ball yep. a little bit too uh, but I didn't feel like pressure right but I did feel expectation mm. right yeah because yeah. I'm curious because I talked to so many students especially of like parents are living vicariously through like their mm-hmm. athletic career and all that stuff and we're seeing kids are just tired yeah from all the doing and going I mean we got kids that are playing three sports in one season yeah mm-hmm. and stuff like that so I think even um, like speaking to it from that side of it of like man being able to prioritize out for your kids like this is what really matters yeah that's good so because i know you're a dad too and i've, mm-hmm. I've heard your kids i asked one of them the other day hey what sports are you playing right now well this season i'm not really playing any because we got other but it's prioritizing the things that really matter so as a parent yeah. coming at that like what kind of the advice whatever guidance you would give like how would you navigate yeah. that or how do you wish it would have been navigated whatever yeah, yeah no, that's good that's a good question Britt. uh for me i think one of the good things my parents did do like i said i didn't feel pressure mm-hmm. right there were moments throughout my life that i just like i'm tired of this <laughs> you yeah. know i want to go fishing mm-hmm. or whatever and they allowed me to do that and i appreciated that about my parents even when i was i can think of a couple instances even with basketball when you're like man i just want to play baseball this year like football and baseball and they didn't like it, but they were okay with it, right? So they gave me some space, and mm-hmm. I think that really helped me a lot to when Jesus said, hey, now I, was, I had seen bits and pieces of that throughout my life that they allowed that I thought was really good, right? So, uh, but, yeah, for my kids, I always teach them, like, man, you know, uh, I remember talking to this guy one time, and, and I said, you know, man, you can keep your – we can teach everybody to keep your eye on the ball, right? <clears throat> but the main lesson is to keep your eye on Christ, yeah. And so for my kids, I don't have any expectation or pressure for them other than, hey, pray about it. If you want to do it, do it. I don't care what age you are. Now, they don't determine our lifestyle, right? As a parent, we're the parent, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if any moment, our lifestyle, this is what God's asked us, not me to do, because we, we do it. I, I, I used to think this is my ministry a long time ago. Yeah. I had to have a come to Jesus meeting, because this is our ministry together. And so uh, we're in it together. And so we, we are always praying about what is best for our family, what is the yes that we need to give to Jesus, what is the no we need to give to other things. And our children have, have been very good about following that lead. Um, and so there are moments when I'm traveling more, they know I can't coach. But there's times that I, I purposely don't travel as much so that I can coach. So we balance that. I think the balance is really good. Um, but the moment I start, we start trying to keep up with the Joneses, and I've seen great godly people that say we're never going to do that, that do that. Mm-hmm. We have got to be extremely intentional, uh, and I don't care what our neighbors are doing in that context. I don't care what somebody else is doing, but it took me a while to get there, if I'm honest, yeah. because I grew up where you did that. Mm-hmm. You, you played all the sports, and, and I had to really wrestle with that, if I'm honest with you guys, yeah. um, to go, man, they're missing out. And this past summer, my oldest daughter, who's played sports, uh, she said, Dad, you know, Earlier on, I, I wondered, man, are we missing out being gone all summer, you know, serving and different stuff like that? She goes, but I realize now we had missed out on anything. Like God, what we've gained, what God is doing, what we get to be a part of, what God's doing, is far greater than anything we think we're missing out on. So, yeah. when we were uh, when we met you, when I met you in South Carolina, we one took of the, the greatest days of my life. This, well, I agree. <laughs> we took the students down, and you uh, kind of hosted us for our mission trip. Uh, 
myself, along with a lot of the students, noticed how your family dynamic and how your family is doing ministry together. Um, but I think that that goes for more than just people who are in full-time ministry, right? Like, how are we doing life as a family together? And so um, I had a question in that, and I can't remember what the question was, but it just it, it struck me, and it was very noticeable by our students. And so uh, for the people that are listening to this, they're like, man, I'm not in full-time ministry, but setting those priorities, I mean, is that is that something that you and Natalie uh, came to early on with when you had kids, or was it like, how do you guys, how do you, what are some tactical ways you guys manage that? Because it sounds awesome, yeah. but I want the listeners who are listening to be like, okay, that sounds great, but I work nine to five, she works nine to five. How do we do that? Yeah, you know? I think that's great. It's a good question, Adam. I think one of the ways is that we've done it wrong a lot of times. Like we've mm-hmm. learned a lot from the ways that we didn't do it well. Uh, and I don't want you to sort of burn out, but it's just, it, we kind of sunk ourselves. You know, we always said we'd never do it. And we just ran and ran and ran. We live a busy schedule. We live a very fast paced life and do a lot. Um, in that context. So we've also lived where we worked a nine to five job or two eight to five jobs, you know, in that context with kids and different stuff. So I think the the biggest thing of of intentionality is, is that, you know, you're making your kids and your family time a big priority because it's biblical. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is, is that at any point in time, you can practice hospitality with your family, with other people, Mm -hmm. right? One day a week. If you can't do five days a week, then do one day a week, right? Having somebody over with a meal and getting to know them, um, you know, take, ha, taking a couple couples and, and family outings to the park and just having some intentional time out in that way, um, it can look uniquely like that person and that family. Um, so the nine to five is, is, you're right, it's just about for everybody. Um, I could still say I'm from nine to five just in a little bit different way, mm-hmm. um, but, but we make it a priority. I think that's the key to go, what has God built your family to do in the season of life that it's in? Mm-hmm. Uh, because most people, I wouldn't recommend, hey, you need to do it just like me, right. but we're in that season. That's what God's asked us to do. And so I'd say just everybody just reevaluate where you are uh, in your family and in your life and go, what can we do and what do we not need to do? Yeah. And I think when you do that, it, it kind of frees you up as well. Yeah. So, yeah, awesome. So I have no idea how we got there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, so you say no to the baseball scholarship, meet Natalie. Um, so she went for it hook, line, and sinker from the jump. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, she she said she said, Lord, and she I didn't know this. She said, Lord, I cannot marry a baseball player. Um, you know, she said, I I know what you've asked me to do. You want me to serve you, and I can't marry a baseball player. And that's the next Sunday in church. And I didn't know this. The next Sunday in church, uh, the pastor was preaching out of, out of John four, and I just read that this morning, and I felt like God said, All right, it's time. You know, you know, and yeah. and, and it was. I knew at that moment that. I need to, that's when I gave it the baseball scholarship mm. and I gave it up. I went to Natalie and I said, Hey, I think God wants me to give the baseball scholarship and follow him to like full vocational ministry. I didn't know what that meant, but she I'm surprised went, you knew the word vocation. I, I know. I still don't. I just, I just use it. I'm like, Adam, what does it mean? <laughs> um, but, uh, but then she, in her mind, she went, Oh, stink. Mm. Like what? Well, I have no yeah. more excuses. And that's when she knew. Yeah. You know? But it took a little while to get there though. Yeah. So, so you guys, where, what ha- what did you do next then? If you didn't go to college to play baseball, what was kind of the next coming out of mm-hmm. high school? Yeah, we went to a school in Mississippi for about a semester, and then we got married. Can I get a witness? We got <laughs> married uh, for about a year and a half, two years, and then we felt like God was asking us to go to a school in Columbia, South Carolina, uh, Columbia International University. Best decision I think we'd ever made. And it's a really cool thing, and not all the details, but Natalie had been there previously, just not going to school, but in that area, so God used that a lot when we went there. And then that's where God really set me ablaze um, 
for his for him and his word mm. uh, to dig down deep to to the simplicity of it, but also to the depth of it. Um, and those were the, probably the most formative years biblically of my life, mm. and uh, I learned so much there. And then and then we took it back. We were there for a couple years, and then we came back to Mississippi. So what would you say shifted in your relationship with God's word, mm. right? Going into Columbia International and then where you say it set you ablaze mm. or you say were some of the kind of the things where it was like, man, when that, because I can think back to my story and I know different things and I know Adam for his too, but like for you, for the person listening, like were there some practical things you did? Was there like, what, what would you say was the shift? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. See, I, before that time, I had gotten into some different type of uh, teaching that I didn't even know was not good. <laughs> I just wanted to love Jesus more because I was new to it. Um, and that, that did a lot more damage to me than I could probably express on the podcast. Mm. And so God was so wise to send me back there. So there were other men and people at that school that took time to teach me, hey, this is what God says. And I think it helped me understand. And so I think understanding always helps, helps you grow, right? I mean, that's what the Spirit of God wants to do, give us understanding. And they put it in such a simple way, too. It wasn't like all this crazy stuff or it wasn't all emotion-driven. It was just, it was truth. And I think that was some of the biggest things of having those men and people and professors and people in that area that, that really helped take time to, to break down the Word and help me understand what it was all about. <laughs> Oh, man, I love that. Um, so fall in love with God's Word. You're at Columbia International University. What was your major? Uh, biblical languages and Bible. Biblical language. So just Bible. speaking in tongues? Yeah, speaking in tongues. <laughs> <laughs> right, y'all ready? Y'all ready? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, well, escalated quickly. <laughs> so what do you think about speaking no. <laughs> um, no, so uh, biblical languages. And so what, what was your goal with that? What did you want to do? Like you say, vocational ministry. Do you have any idea what that meant? No, yeah. not at all. Not at all. Like back then, you know, when you were around somebody that you love, like great youth pastors like you right. guys or whatever, you're like, I want to be a youth pastor, you know? Yeah. So I had no idea what that meant. I just know I wanted to follow God with everything I had. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know what it was about. Um, so, um, but yeah, from, from there we came back and, and God began to open up and it looked different. Like for me, man, I, I, I work, I had my own window cleaning business. Uh, then I was a, a janitor at a church. Uh, I was a seafood truck driver. I worked at Primo's making duck calls. You know, that was crazy. Yeah. Uh, you don't know, no one know what those things are made out of, but anyway, um, I mean, you know, so I did all kind of stuff like that, like everyday things. And honestly, that was, I learned that ministry is everywhere mm. and uh, it's the person right in front of you. And uh, so that was great. And uh, I was a youth pastor for a little while after that. And, um, I, you know, all kind of stuff. Worked to help my brother plant a church in, in, in Jackson. Uh, and then finally, the only thing I said is that I said, I don't think I'm ever going to do like, like an itinerant evangelist. I said, that's just not me. I want to be yeah. a pastor. <laughs> you know? And then uh, my wife's like, yeah. well, I knew that 14 years ago. I said, of course you did. <laughs> uh, but then God opened up doors for that. We kind of set off on our own. Um, we let, I was a teacher and a coach and, you know, that kind of stuff. And then, then, we, then God said, I want you to leave, and mm-hmm. I want you to trust me. And we had about four years, or no, three, three and a half years where I didn't have a job. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was some of the darkest, hardest time that I've ever gone through. Um, but some of the most fruitful time that I've ever been through. Break that down. And uh, oh, I don't know if you have time on this podcast, big guy. Um, so, well, basically, we we left um, teaching and coaching and planting churches, and and uh, God said, "I right, trust me, it's going to look a little different." And um, He sent me to Abraham. He said, "Learn what you can about me from him." And I said, "Okay." And, um, and so I went and looked at the stars, and then uh, Jesus said, "Don't tell anybody your needs." And we, we had four kids, had no job, and I only had didn't have a job because God said, "Trust me." He didn't give me a job. I had plenty of offers, but He said, "Nope." Trust me. And uh, so I started traveling on my own, speaking across the state of Mississippi in different places. And, uh, and then um, 
And then it's like all of a sudden there was this pastor job that I really wanted. And uh, we went through the process. They liked me. And all of a sudden it was no. And then the darkness hit. And all I can tell you is like a blindside and a crack back in football. It just hit me out of the nowhere. And it's, it's, like, it's almost like God left in my mind. It's almost like the sense of his presence and awareness of him left out of nowhere. And, and the darkness that you feel outside when you're in the middle of nowhere and you have no light, that's what it felt like in my soul for three and a half, three years every day, 24-7, seven days a week. And I couldn't explain it. It wasn't like I was, had this sin that I, 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 trust me, I thought it was. And it's almost like the chatter, like the, I always say Satan deals in arguments, right? I mean, he does. That's what he does, the chatter nonstop. I was more discouraged than I could possibly ever imagine. Um, there was days that I was so depressed. I never struggled with depression before. Um, there were times I, mean, I had no desire, uh, sin, the comparison to sin, like all these things you could possibly imagine happened in that moment. Uh, but I, and I lost desire for everything. And um, there were moments I remember sitting on the back of my steps and just crying, weeping. And I'm not a huge crier. I like it, but I'm not, you know. And I just remember just thinking, Lord, like, like I, know, I don't want to leave you, you know. But I feel like that's what I'm, I feel like I know the choice. Like, mm. I feel like it's just, I'm, I, I can't, I don't mm. even know what's going on here. Um, but I still trusted, still mm. obeyed, still walked the walk, still did all that stuff. And, um, and God moved greatly. I can look back and go, it was incredibly fruitful. But it was times that I did not think I was going to make it. Mm. So, did you have kids at that point? Uh, I, had, during that, those... I had four at that time. Okay, and then how how was that for Nat? I mean, when you're going it, through that, it, part? It, it did uh, it, it affected our marriage because I always say this: it's not. I'm, I'm pretty emotional, but we know following Jesus is not really about emotion, you know. Mm-hmm. But when you don't have it, or you, you feel like you have gotten every fiery dart hit at you in your soul every day, yeah. And uh, it, 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 what it turned into was just me complaining to her and not listening to her. And that drained her a lot. And I think yeah. during that time, I felt like, I hate to use this term, I felt like I fell out of love with God. I don't know if I, if I can actually say that, but you, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I fell out of love with her too. I think they go together a lot of times. And uh, there was no, like, nothing happened in the sense yeah. of that. Um, faithfulness or whatever, it was all good there. But um, she called me out. She goes, you don't love me like you used to. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, so, but I think God was saying the same thing. You don't love me like yeah. you used to. Because it, it was hard, you know. Um, so anyway. So how did that start to change then from, from that time into? Yeah, um, I think that, that there had to be a shift for me to start believing the truth that, that, I was, that I knew. Like I was trying to stand on the word. I was trying to do all these things. And I think when I, when I joined with Forge, I think uh, a lot of that started to shift for me a little bit. Um, but the main thing, I think, was when I started letting people in. Because mm-hmm. uh, I didn't have anybody around. I didn't know. Like I, I'd never experienced anything like this before. Mm-hmm. Um, so starting to let people in, you know, and, uh, and people praying and, and, you know, being there for me and that kind of stuff. I think that was a big shift for me as well. Yeah. yeah. No, I think, I think that's huge. That aspect. I was just going to ask <clears throat> just like how you like to the person that's there, listen to this mm-hmm. podcast right now. That's in that spot. Not sure what's going on. Darkest times of their life, tragedy, difficulty, deeply, passionately in love with God, but just feel like, are you even here? Mm-hmm. Right, and that. So I was just asking, like, man, like any encouragement, or I mean, we're always about the practical and tactical, but yeah. uh, like anything, speaking to that individual, like I don't know, just pawing them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes our greatest darkness comes in times of our of our constant and greatest obedience. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at Jesus, he learned obedience through what he suffered. What you're going through um, is exactly what Christ went through. I mean, he's a man of sorrows, yet full of joy. Sometimes clouds and thick darkness surround the Lord. Um, and you just keep pressing, right? Just keep going and, and don't give up. And I think that's the biggest thing, right? Will I, will I trust Jesus? Think about Jesus on the cross. I mean, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Well, that literally happened to him. He literally, God turned his back on his own son and it's like he wasn't there. And Jesus in the next breath goes, but into your hands I commit my spirit, I trust you. And he trusted him in death. So we can too, right? So the person that's, that's going through that, the person that feels that, that doesn't feel you know, God anymore, um, keep holding on because he's there. It's like the, the, the clouds in front of the mountain. You know the mountain's there, but the clouds are just blocking the view and it looks like they're not anymore. So hold on to what he's shown you in the light in the times when it's dark. Mm. And, uh, and I'd say too, let people in. You gotta let people in. We are, we are here together. We're there to bear one another's burdens, uh, Galatians 6. And, and another thing is gonna sound terrible. Uh, keep praising, mm-hmm. keep making much of God. And I think a lot of times in that dark time, we think if I do those things, I'm doing those things, I don't feel any different. It feels like a hypocrite. Well, I'd say, no, it's not hypocrisy, it's love. Because love is choice love. And when you begin to choose God, no matter what, no matter if he ever brings anything back, if he ever lifts you out of the pit or not, and you continue to choose to love him, well, that's love. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. I think isolation is like the, one of the greatest ploys in the enemy to convince you you're by yourself. Yeah. 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 That's true. You're not alone. So, yeah. So you, um, you're going through that incredibly dark and difficult time. And then, um, God starts to lead you out of that. What's what's that picture look like as far as? So I mean, now obviously you're you're traveling and speaking, so there had to be some time between there of, or, or was there? He's still not saved. He's still, still not saved. Yeah, we're still ain't talking. We're working on it this week. We're working on it this week. But what was that? I guess what was the transition like coming out of that? I mean, yeah. Well, the thing is, I still I still obeyed in the midst of it. I mm-hmm. still was traveling and speaking full-time. I was okay. still discipling a lot of guys. We were still doing a college ministry in a house. We were still doing all those things uh, while that was going on. I think the big shift for me is when, when like, one morning I thought, look, the Lord was going, I want you to join me in South Carolina. And so uh, my wife and I prayed about it, and we moved to Columbia, South Carolina. And I think that was when our big shift started to happen, if I'm honest. Right. About the first year, but about the year and a half into it, things just started to, to lift and lighten up. Mm. And, um, and so, yeah, so now we're there. And I think what year was there. that? That was... Uh, Maybe 2019, 2020, okay. somewhere in that realm. Yeah. yeah. Wow. What would you say shifted? I think my perspective. Mm-hmm. I think that, mm-hmm. and I think too, the, when you continue to trust, when nothing, it doesn't make sense. I think, think about like this when, like Abraham, who left and he didn't see anything. But those who wait on the Lord, God will never let me put to shame. Mm-hmm. It's almost like God going, I got you. Just hold on. I will come back around and show you that what you've done has been done in me. Right, and I, say, I just think it was just one of those moments that just it just lifted, and um, and so I, I think now uh, there's a little bit more clarity of how to see him in those moments. Like, because there's moments it still comes back, but it doesn't stay because of the things that I learned in there to keep going. The, those things that you were talking about earlier, letting other people in, praising, you know, uh, um, those types of things, um, choosing to believe that even though you don't feel it. Well, those things God comes through in, in the end. Yeah. So. I know you pretty well, and I know you're a guy that, one, models discipling really well, but also models being discipled mm-hmm. really well. So I'm just curious, maybe in your change life story, maybe in just being able to speak to the people listening, um, the importance of discipleship, uh, the importance of being discipled and discipling, mm-hmm. um, the importance of Jesus in that process and all of that stuff. But I think that you're somebody that has a beautiful heart for that. Um, and I think that you see it play out throughout your whole story. So is that maybe speaking into that? Yeah, that's good. Britt. Um, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, I had, like I said, I had good parents. My, my parents spent great time with me. So I watched my dad, you know, spend time. I know he was tired, but always, you know, so I watched the idea of, of investing in a life and spending time with life from him. Um, but when we, um, the, when I came to Christ, 
I realized like, I, I, part of discipleship is you freely receive, not freely give, right? You, you give what you've had. So the idea of family was real big in discipleship. So when I disciple somebody, it's like I want to bring them into my family, you know, do devotions together, be with my kids, be with my family, see me mess up, see me own it, <laughs> you know, all those types of things. Which I, which I saw there. But also on the other side, there were things that I saw that Jesus was doing that, that maybe I didn't feel like I had fully, but I just wanted to give somebody what I always wanted. Sometimes people think, I don't know how to disciple. Well, I mean, you could look at Jesus or ask somebody, you know, <laughs> um, but, but also, why don't you just give them what you always wanted? Well, I wanted somebody to really dig in the Word with me. I wanted somebody that I could be there to ask questions to. I wanted somebody that you know, that, that would bring me along on the journey like I see Jesus bring the disciples along. So what did I do? Well, Lord, who's the one? You know, who you want me to do that with? I don't know how to do it, mm. you know, but here's what I see you doing. Well, let's just do that with somebody else. And I still don't know what I'm doing, but, but I think that was how I began the discipleship process. It's important of having somebody to pour into all that God's taught me and bring them along on the journey and do life with them, not just have a time with them, but do, like, do some life with them, yeah. uh, like family. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then also on my end of having people that I can call and say, hey, what do you think about this? Um, you know, here's what I'm reading. Give me, help me out here. And I have the guy you had on, Adrian Dupre, is one of those guys for me. I call him a lot with different things. Um, you, you two right here, I might text and call you guys, right? My thing about subject is I can learn from anybody, mm-hmm. right? I may ask high school students, hey, what do you think that verse means? And I'm going to mm-hmm. learn from it. And so I think that's part of it, just being teachable. Britain, you really, y'all, both of you guys really model that well about being so hungry and teachable, right? And uh, I think that's, that's a big part of the discipleship process um, to, to keep growing and following Jesus. So. Yeah, yeah. I think the key to, and I'd love to hear your take on this too, because you're somebody that has just been discipleship by fast pace, got questions.org, questions, <laughs> yeah. all that stuff. <laughs> yep. uh, but because um, I think that's a good vein for us to tear on for a minute. Um, I think the key to good Christ-centered discipleship is humility by all parts, mm-hmm. right? Trusting that fact that, like, no no one party is greater than the other, but we're all submitted to Christ in this relationship together. Um, because I think that anytime you see in the Gospels there be tension, it's when people take their eyes off Jesus mm-hmm. and start looking at themselves. Mm-hmm. And so I think even in that relationship aspect, being able to focus back to Christ, focus back to Christ is constantly just the key. Um, but yeah, no, I think you model everything you said really well. I couldn't tell you how many sermons the people of the tabernacle have heard that Paul actually wrote. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm still trying to pay you to write sermons for me. That's what I'm trying to say. So, but no, man, this is the amount of the, the teacher that's in you too, though, because I think that's something you do well is as a disciple, you don't just answer the questions. You help people find them. So I remember being, I don't remember how old I was, 20s, early 20s. Um, and had no idea how to read the Bible, no idea what, where, what was, and sit down and start studying the Bible with Paul. And it was the first time we read four chapters, um, which was a whole book. And, uh, and ate four Chick-fil-A sandwiches a yeah, piece. Each chapter, yeah. ate a <laughs> each chapter we ate a Chick-fil-A sandwich. I got to respond to God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he called it communion. It was just Coke and Chick-fil-A sandwiches. <laughs> Sweet tea. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I remember as we were studying that, it was... The questions you were asking, I don't remember exactly, but you never answered any of them. It was just, what do you think? Well, what do you think that? And you were pulling more out of that individual. At that time, it was me pulling more out of me that I had no idea was there. And, but it wasn't. You were making me aware of the Spirit of God in my life. And I think that that is that discipleship aspect because you weren't creating dependence on you. Yes. You were creating dependence on God, His mm-hmm. Word, and His Spirit. And I think that that is something that I've seen you model really, really, really well in that discipleship model. So for anybody listening to this, 
The goal isn't to create followers of yourself. Mm. It's to create followers of Christ that are fixated on him, his mm. word, and obeying his spirit. And I think that when, when Paul says, not you, the other Paul, um, <laughs> imitate Paul me as I imitate Christ. Yeah. And I think that that's something you model really well in that discipleship model book. Yeah, two, two nights ago you were talking about fear in their sermon to the students, and I think it was two nights ago. No blending together. We don't even right know now. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you, you were talking about fear, and I think fear is one of the major, um, major things that keeps people from being willing to disciple mm. and be discipled. Mm. And uh, you address that a lot, though, that fear aspect within our relationship with God, but I think it also applies in, in our relationship with other people and being discipled and discipling. And I don't know if you... Can you can you speak to that a little bit, just that um, being able to get over that fear in Britain is, it, let the record show, Britain <laughs> is drinking the drink he made fun of me for drinking. But His tummy's going to feel good now. How do you drink that? It's delicious. That's not. Anyway, Bro, that sorry. tastes like emergency got mixed with <laughs> urinal water. <laughs> that is horrible. It's really it's good. a little like a porta potty. Sorry, it's it is. completely interrupted. You did. <laughs> I quite enjoy it, but anyway, um, but I think fear is a big thing that stops us, right? Fear, because if we're if we're going to disciple somebody, it's man. I think I have to have all the answers. I've got to be able to to be there all the time. Or there's there's a fear of not knowing what yeah. to do, and then there's a fear of being discipled. Of man, you're going to know my deepest, darkest secrets, or whatever it may be. And so, um, I don't know. You just spoke really, really well to that that fear aspect the other night. So because I think that's that's huge, especially for men. Yeah. We're afraid of it. Yeah. If yeah. we're honest, we're yeah. just really afraid. Yeah. Yeah. I think that uh, that's, that's good, Adam. You're, you're such a good communicator, man. I just, goodness. <laughs> he gracious. looks good when he does he it. He does, does too. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to start drinking those drinks. Maybe I can I'm get there, too. I'm going to tell you too. right now, boys. <laughs> don't do it. This is based off what I just experienced. You and Hope Bishop are. But it's for a healthy gut. Psychopaths. It's for a healthy gut, bro. Those are disgusting. <laughs> right. Anyway. Go ahead. Fear. Uh, yeah, fear. Um I think if I remember the question, um, I'm still stuck on that drink right now. I'm honestly, let me try it. Tastes like orange pop. No, it's discipleship. Hey, he just said yes, it, it tastes like orange Fanta. I, I said orange pop. Oh, there's something popping in there. Yeah. I'm not sure what and it is. And it's orange. It's, it's something. <laughs> Bro, that's like LaCroix and Fanta had an ugly it step. Had, no, stop it. LaCroix is like an orange farted on water. This actually has flavor. <laughs> All right. Back. If you'd like, you like to get far in the can, just talk to Adam. Yeah. He's Look sharp. Right. Anyway. What was the question? No. <laughs> Back to you. Can might you, have to edit Maddie. Can, Maddie. You blur, edit can you blur Maddie. that can out? I don't want anybody to have to drink that. We don't. We don't want that. It's, a, it's, it's awesome. I think uh, so. The subject's not drinking the Kool Aid. What are you scared yeah. of, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> this pop there. Yeah. I think one of the largest things that stops us from being willing to be discipled or to disciple somebody is fear. Mm. And you spoke really well to that the other night. So I'd love for you to kind of address that for those that are listening that are like, "Man, I'd like to take that step of of being discipled or or starting to disciple somebody." Because by the way, if you're not being discipled, ask somebody to disciple you. Yeah. Yep. Seek right. that out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it's not Britain's job to go to you and say, hey, "I want to disciple you." Or Whoever, yeah. so it's kind of um, arrogant, isn't it? Yeah, you know let I mean? me just let <laughs> yeah. me disciple you. But I think as well, if you're only wanting to disciple people, that's there a, might be some pride you need flag. to be also yeah. being poured yeah. into. Yeah. Yeah. So, but just getting over that fear, yeah. um, I'd love for you to speak to that yeah, a little that's bit. Good. No, thanks, Adam. I think a lot of it is the fear of it's just the wrong expectation. Mm-hmm. Like, man, what is it? We don't even know. But I think we do know. If I'm if I'm honest, for instance, if we go to a game 
right, and you like, let's say, Michigan mm-hmm. or our champion SEC team, whatever. You know, Which champion uh, SEC team do you refer Paul? When's the last time they won a championship? Georgia. You do not like Georgia. No, but they're SEC, right? <laughs> okay. so all He's I a care. Mississippi State That's Mississippi State. <laughs> State's like. They still have a team. More cowbell. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but when you go to, like, for instance, you go to a game and you get to know that team, mm. you're spending all your time with that team. And what are you doing? Well, you're going to go share something that's really impacted you. You're going to say, hey, man, you want to come to a state game with me? And what you're doing is you're really trying to get to them to spend time with you so that you can share with them something that you love so that they can love it too. Mm. We deal with everything, yeah. food, you name it, a kid, whatever. makes no difference. Um, well, I think every single person today on planet Earth is actually discipling people right now. Mm-hmm. I think they're making disciples every single day. The question is what kind, mm. right? So the question is, are you making disciples of Jesus? So take the model of what we use in sports and just put it with Jesus. Mm. Fill it with him, right? Take them to sports. That's fine. Take them to sh- – I almost can't say shopping. I'm sorry. I can't do it, y'all. Take them shopping. <laughs> take, take them like, you know, when you go eat somewhere or cook at a home and, and do that and then just instill those things in conversation intentionally with what Jesus is teaching you and, and well, maybe what he's showing them, yeah. right, whether somebody that doesn't know Christ or does. So I think when you, we're walking through fear every day. Um, with the risks. We don't know how to do something when we start it, but the only way that you'll know how to do something is to walk through fear and learn how to do it. Yeah. And so I think the same thing with discipleship. I think, man, fix your eyes on Jesus. What is he doing? Mm. Here, here's Jesus's discipleship model. It's really simple. Um, is that he, whatever he hears his father saying, he says it. Whatever he sees his mm. father doing, he does it. Mm. And I realized a long time ago, y'all, I was getting so burnt out on all these how-tos. Like, I was overstimulated on how-tos. Because I really believe that, and I, not all churches, but I think, like, church in gen, the big, like, general like church in North America, I think we have just simply um, adopted the models of the world into the context of the church. And it's not producing dis- disciples that, that Jesus wants because we're not using his methods. So I got really tired a long time ago, Adam, and I was like, I'm sick of this. Like, how do we do this? Like, what does this even look like? And I had to look to Jesus as the model of how to do it. And, and I realized... We, as a, as a people, we, we, we rush towards complexity, mm. but we yearn for simplicity. And I think Jesus is going, this is really simple, right? Fix your eyes on me. Watch what I'm doing. Just imitate me. Imitate me as I imitate Jesus. And I think guys would realize they understand looking at a dad if they had, they, or they want that. What does I see my daddy do? I wore my socks up high for a long time. I ate, I ate thousand dollars salad dressing on my salad. I used to eat my steak well done because I just was watching my dad. I think when we watch Jesus and we watch what he does or watch the men around me that are imitating him, I think men can really step into that role because they're already making disciples. Mm-hmm. They just need to be making disciples of Jesus, and it's really simple. Yeah, you know? so, that's so good. Step through fear. Yeah, yeah, love that. Fear of the unknown, I guess, is really known. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And I think uh, another aspect of that is, and you talked about how, you know, there was a lot that changed in your life when your perspective changed. Um, and even this morning, Olivia kind of spoke to understanding. Shout out Olivia Humphrey. Ooh, yeah. yeah, come on yeah. now. She yeah. did an awesome she job brought it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was convicted. Yeah. yeah. But she's, she spoke to that, that aspect of realizing that it's not about you. Mm-hmm. And that can take so much pressure off. Yes. That it's not you that saves them. It's not you that's making them better. Yeah. It's just we're following the word. And then, you know, hopefully yeah. people see us doing that. And then they start to do it, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's that simple. Yeah, I sure. love the... The point I think that speaks to this is she talked about today that pride and insecurity are two sides of the same coin. And just that aspect of um, whether you're too proud to disciple, you think you're too, whatever it might be, or you're insecure, both of them are focusing on me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the goal of discipleship isn't to focus on the disciple or the disciplee. 
It's to focus on Christ. That's right. And the disciple and disciple, you might be the same person. I have no idea. It sounded really good. John though. will correct me later. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I think you're good. Yeah. Um, but it's to focus on Christ. Yeah. And I think that that aspect of it takes pressure off because it's not Paul as somebody that's discipling me actively. I know there's going to be days where I call Paul and he says, well, let's figure it out together. Mm-hmm. And I think it removes pressure when we realize it's both of us seeking to follow Jesus together. He's just older and has more experience and wisdom. Um, but I think that that aspect of it, taking pressure off the relationship, it doesn't just have to be the formal sit-down ESV study Bible open, black coffee in hand before 7 a.m., before you both go to work. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's not always what it looks like. Yeah, I think right. the, the most impactful times of discipleship I've had have been with Paul and Natalie and all five of their kids mm-hmm. sitting at Buckner's, sitting at Preach. a restaurant, sitting wherever, and seeing just how you do life and the conversations you're having and the way you're guiding and leading your kids. And it's, I think those are things that pay dividends well past just the let's sit down and know more. Yeah. So, yeah, I think those are. Yeah, that's, I, I really like that. That's interesting because it's, uh, I feel like somehow it's, it's happened that there's a us versus them mentality when it comes to like the discipling yeah. the relationship. And I think like you and I, I, I feel like we disciple each other yes. pretty well, yep. um, but we're a team yep. in that. And so it's not that I'm discipling you or you're discipling me in this uh, formal way, yeah. but it's in life together in relationship that we're discipling each other. And I think that's, that's a great way to go mm-hmm. about it because it's a team thing. hundred yeah, percent. That's I think great. It's that whole, that's brilliant. Yeah. Iron sharpens iron, right? Yeah. It's not if you're hitting it; they're both being sharpened. It's yeah. not uh, one or the other. So, because eventually, what you said, like you said, Britt, we're being discipled by Jesus. Yes, right, yes. and we're just all in it together. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Good. Which that's, that's a great book. Very good book. Yeah, shout if out. You've to never Robert read Gelinas. "Discipled by Jesus" by Robert Gelinas. It is an incredible book. Yeah, it's real simple, too easy. Yeah, exactly. real short. That's why Paul and I both liked it. <laughs> that's right. <Absolutely. laughs> uh, no, hey, well, actually, we'll throw that in uh, the show description so you can that's find that good. on Amazon. It's a very, very, very good book. Um, yeah, no, I love that. I think um, just those aspects of discipleship that, that play out in your life, the way you do relationship and stuff like that. I mean, just here at camp, I'm not going to say any names, but there was just that, there's something about Paul, right? He just Paul's people. And there's, there's other individuals in the life of our uh, the tabernacle that have a similar effect on people, yeah. um, namely may or may not be Foster Christie. Um, yes. But you have a very similar where, like last night I was talking to um, – somebody and their whole thing was like, I knew I needed to talk to somebody. And he's like, and I was going to go talk to this person. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to go talk. And he said, I'm, I was going to come across the room and talk to you. And he's like, I took two steps and the spirit of God was just like, you need to go tell Paul. Mm-hmm. And it's not that Paul's special or anything like that, but I, I think it's humility. It's because God knows that when somebody comes to you, they're going to get more of him and not a whole bunch of Paul. And I think that's what comes to play. And so I really appreciate that about you. I appreciate that, that you model. Because it can be hard, uh, even as youth pastors at camp, to feel like, man, i got to have the answers for these kids when they have mm-hmm. them. And it's like, no, I don't. I need to point them to Jesus. Because at the end of the day, we're not going to be there. At the end of the day, Paul's not going to yeah. be there. And if I'm not leading them to a and deeper— I'm going to fail them at some point. 100%, percent, yes. And so I think that that's something you moder- model really, really well. Um, it's just that aspect of like you're driving people closer to Christ, and so really, really appreciate that about you. Um, and that's why I have a crush on Paul. Uh, <laughs> it's the baseball pants. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Wasn't there a drink called Crush too? It's kind of like that one. That's yeah, yes. what it is. I'm it's gonna crush. tell you right now. I'm, I just read <laughs> the side of crush. this while we were talking. Let me tell you why it sucks. <laughs> Infused with apple cider vinegar. It's good for you. I don't care what it is. Apple cider vinegar. 
Who doesn't like I that? I put that on my coleslaw. <laughs> See? And it's he, delicious. This dude's like, it's like an orange soda. <laughs> it is like an orange soda. And I'll, 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 I'll buy the one That's from the a South can of Walgreens right there. Are you <laughs> kidding me? <laughs> it's like the cleaning aisle. <laughs> put that on your windows, in your yeah. car. <laughs> Cleans anything. Yeah. Uh, no. I don't know where we left off in your life story. <laughs> I don't that, know. But, you you um, started working at Forge. Why'd you do that? Yes. Well... What is um, Forge? <laughs> That's the is? question of the day, Who right? Is? <laughs> so, uh, so Forge is a, is a ministry, is an organization that just, their, their heart cries to see Jesus' prayer of more kingdom laborers answered. Everyday people, everyday places, everyday spaces, normal dudes like us right here mm. who just want to love God and love the person that's right in front of them. Mm. That's it. Yep. Um, and we do send out speakers. You know, Britain's one of those guys. Probably, honestly, in my opinion, Britain might be the best speaker we've had, but that's just my opinion. Um, you know, John Vermeer. Hey, JV's great. Hey, JV <laughs> yeah. got it, baby. Look, let me tell you, J, phew, I, hey, JV came in the room yesterday. He knocked on the door and banged on it. And I said, yes, Lord, come in. I mean, like, he came in and sat and just sent this talk, and I was like, I'm like a sponge. Like, I just learned more in about a 10, 15-minute conversation with JV, man. Yeah. I love that dude. Um, what were we talking about? Yes. Oh, yeah, for, yes. Forge. So uh, they do yes. that in a lot of different ways, send speakers out, train speakers. Yep. Um, uh, we do a, a young adult and high school training, equipping in the summertime. Mm. Um, as well, and just lots of different ways. But our biggest thing is, man, every single person um, can have a great kingdom impact. So mm-hmm. that's that's really what Forge is all about. Yeah. So start, what was like? What, why did you start at Forge? What was? Yeah. Where so, were you and Natalie at? Is that train that that decision was being made? Yeah, Natalie. Natalie knew she went through the training twenty uh, something years ago. Uh, back in and the day. Back in the day. Yeah. Back on the block. Hey, anyway, I seen PG thirteen movies staying up way after dark. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> um, what we talk about? I just forgot what we were saying. That's some song. You decided That's the to parent go rap right to there. forge. Yeah, um, and uh, and so she knew like 14 years earlier, or however long it was earlier, that we would be doing something with forge. We didn't know what. Um, so I really attribute how God led her in that, honestly. But anyway, so I was talking to AD Adrian, who y'all had last time or a couple times ago on the podcast, and I was on the phone with him, and I said, "Hey, man, this is going on. This, this, and this." And he goes, "Well, hold on just a second. So he puts me on a three-way call to somebody at Ford, and he goes, "Hey, this is us. This is Adrian. This, this is Paul. He wants to come on as our team as a speaker." And I went, "No, I don't. I didn't even say that. I don't even <laughs> want to do that." Because at that time, I was like, "There's no way I could do this." And maybe it was comparison, you know. Maybe it was other things or insecurity. I have no idea what it was. Uh, but anyway, that's how I got on with Forge and uh, went went through the uh, Firebrand training for a little bit, and then. Um, a speaker for him and then direct the program that, that equips the students in the summer. So, yeah, yeah, awesome. Okay. So, started at Forge, started traveling, all that yeah. stuff, still doing all that to this day. Yeah. Five kids, five kids doing the dang thing, doing, <laughs> doing it. And I think the big thing is it helps is, is one, what the Lord does, but two, having, having a godly wife, I'm mm-hmm. a wife and mother that that is bought in. Like I said, it's our ministry, it's not yep. just hers. I mean, she's ministering at home as I'm on right here. Um, so it's a good team. Yeah. So God's really blessed it, and um, it's been it's been fun. Absolutely, so, man. Uh, I can't. Sometimes I think like, Lord, I'm just an old boy from Mississippi. You know, old town, yeah. small town, Raymond. You know, didn't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, doing. You know, whatever. And I think just being able to to see and meet people like you guys and Maddie and and just being around people every all over the place that yeah. that they love God that are that are unique that are that are awesome. You know, it's it's a, it's an honor. It's a joy, and I deserve it. But it's a, it's a really great privilege, though. Love that. I'm curious, um, kind of as we as we conclude. There's a, we have a lot of parent. Do you have any other questions before I completely no. shift the gears? No, not that I haven't done that shift in the middle it. of conversation already yeah. today. Have you uh, tried this pop? We just know Maddie's going to have to edit a lot. Tops and tails, yeah, baby. That's right. that's Raw, that's uncut. <laughs> um, We're going to so, get sued by this guy. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to blow out this can seriously. <laughs> um, 
you're in the depths of it. So for the person that's never been, never been a part of it, would you, for the parents listening to this, what is Camp 23? Why should they send their kids? Why shouldn't they send their kids? <laughs> Why kid? shouldn't they send I'd their kids? I'd love your perspective just on what you've seen so far for the parents listening out there. Because they don't get to come to this. But if Adam and I say anything, it's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah. So why shouldn't you send your kids? No, or should. Should, yeah. should we probably prefer. Uh, <laughs> either way. Either way. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. You shouldn't send your kids. I'm being careful saying that on the air. You shouldn't do that if you don't want your kids to have the, the best time of their life, um, be challenged from the Word of God, um, and go deeper with Christ, maybe even come to Christ, hmm. if I'm honest, um, be set on a different trajectory for their life, and did I say have play some of the craziest games <laughs> in the hey, world? Up to date right now, we've only had one person lose a tooth. <laughs> that's actually a fact. That's true, that's We're good. doing great. Uh, we might be able to see if we can edit that yes. clip in there. <laughs> yes. So I'll tell you, parent, as a parent, I, I would send my kids here in a heartbeat. And here's why, because I've been to a lot of camps, and they're all good. All, yeah. Everybody's good in their own right. I've been around a lot of youth pastors, all good in their own right. Um, but you guys, you and your team here, um, Y'all do it right, and um, and you know how to throw a camp in a way that has a blast, but also lifts up Jesus really high, mm-hmm. and uh, and so that's why I would say send them and send them in droves, mm-hmm. um, because God will move and God will work because you guys have done the work during the year and you set the stage here extremely well. So really appreciate that, you. and we didn't tell them to say any of that, but we do pay them. So <laughs> just like three quarters <laughs> of that, yeah, uh, yeah, no. Dude, just appreciate you a ton. Last night was incredible um, for parents listening to this. We saw a lot. 50, 60, 70, 100, probably close to 100 students respond in some way, oh, sorts or another, yeah. maybe even more. Probably more. I mean, we've got 175-ish kids here. I bet there's only 25 left. In the, sorry, 150 yeah. students respond in some way or the other yeah. to the gospel last night, whether it be to surrender, yep. specific sin, um, read it, give their life to Christ for the first time. I mean, it was mm. just a beautiful, awesome night to get to be a part of. So yeah. I'm telling you, people listening to this podcast, Gen Z is raring and ready. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd hate to be the old person that got in the way. Mm. That's, <laughs> that's good. Uh, that's, I think yeah, that's yeah. where I've settled into as a youth pastor. Is I'm just going to be the one that stands and just says, Y'all got this, mm. right? I just want to ride the wave because <laughs> uh, they're going to take over the world. Yes. Uh, and I believe that it could be for the kingdom if we continue to equip them. So I appreciate you being here and mm. uh, preaching the way you do with conviction, with clarity, uh, with f- making it fun. Um, yeah, we got the spark here. Um, Chris is going to hop on the podcast at some point. So they're killing it. Adam, as the official director at camp, I appreciate you, man. <laughs> I really do. I, none of this would be happening. Uh, literally, none of this would be happening without you. So thank you. You do crap that nobody else knows about yeah. or knows how to do. Uh, so thank you for being the dude that you are. It's, fun. Um, it's, it's, fun. it's great to get, get to be a part of this. So I uh, thank you, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Paul, seriously, thank you, man. Um, and thank you to your family who uh, is allowing you to be here. <laughs> uh, the sacrifice that they make is not unnoticed. Um, we might just need the Epperson's at a camp someday. Dude, seriously. We might just they're, need the whole Epperson clan. They're awesome. Uh, I know I mentioned earlier, but when Levi we were there. Can speak. Yeah. <laughs> when we were there in South Carolina, man, it was, uh, it was just eye-opening to me uh, and to a lot of our students. Um, and I just, uh, it, was, it was encouraging to be somebody who's fairly new in the ministry as mm-hmm. well, seeing your family just thriving and uh, just the joy that's on, that was on their faces. Um, so thanks for that. Uh, I would honestly, so I would venture here. to say the fruit of that you're seeing this week at camp. Seriously, yeah. A lot of staff really. members that took the 
risk, if yeah. you will, <laughs> of bringing their wife and kids yeah, to, um, camp to camp yeah. to be a part of what God's doing here. And yeah. I think it's because Adam saw it modeled really well by you and your family. Um, we've seen it modeled really well by others as well. Yeah. And it's like, man, you know what? We need to get our kids in this too. They need to see what dad and what mom are doing yeah. when they're away. So yeah, thank you for and being not, a model. And not every student that's here has that great picture of what family right. looks like either. And so yeah. for them to see healthy families, yeah, uh, yeah it's been awesome. Absolutely, so, man. We appreciate you, you so much. Hey, shout out Lost Valley. Yeah. I almost venture to say best camp food I've had this year. Oh, hands oh. down. Best camp food I've had this year. It's good. Those they actually pulled, make everything here. Yes, bro. You know those, what I mean? Yeah. Those pulled pork sliders were something. Sirs. Yeah. So I don't Sirs. know. I don't know what's yeah. for dinner tonight, but praise God for it. Yep. Um, Maddie Brown. Thank you, Maddie. Maddie Brown, Come ladies and gentlemen. Come she on. set up the entire <laughs> podcast system with video. In a boy's dorm. In a barracks. And somehow it doesn't smell like <laughs> armpit. I know. I don't know what she did to make it it's not amazing. smell like armpit, but... Yep. You we did appreciate it. You. you did it. Thank you. You did it. She's running sound this week. Yeah, she's doing, doing a lot more than this. All of it. Yeah, uh, and so wrote, we uh, appreciate wrote. you. Shout out Sophie Vermilia. She's, she's been to Meyer a hundred times already. <laughs> it's been two days, and I've I never know. once asked her to do something and her not been like, "Yeah, I got it. No problem." Yeah, with a smile. Yeah, love Just it. I wish joy. Benji would be more like her. Yeah. <laughs> That's why she's my second favorite Vermilia. Yeah, that's right. She is definitely in the top five for me. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, man, I, I think it's just been an awesome week. Um, it's fun to get to do this at camp yeah. uh, to see. Yeah. I don't know if we should have shown the parents where their kids are sleeping, but uh, <laughs> you can't really tell on the camera that it's, it's not. I mean, dilapidated. It's but fine. <laughs> the asbestos, the asbestos is contained. Uh, yeah. No, we're kidding. Well, if don't, you don't, if you don't mess with the asbestos, it's fine. Yeah, so. as as you just don't scratch it and sniff. <laughs> <You'll be fine>. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no asbestos. Just that we know. That we know. Of. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Paint it over it. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, no. We're kidding. Yeah. Calm yeah. down. They all have beds. You signed a waiver. Under, uh, under. Yeah. <laughs> but don't kill you, makes you strong. I, I tried to put them in tents, but the hey, camp the came camp. through with, uh, <laughs> with a building. So. Love it, man. Hey, Camp 23 is in action. The kids are yep. about to be back from dodgeball. Right. Look at yeah. that, boys. I'm oh. the money. I'm hey, the money. Love it. Um, Tab family, um, thank you so much for continuing to be a part of uh, our podcast um, we just asked maybe hey, like subscribe. Don't forget, uh, August break is coming. I think this episode will drop at the very beginning of it, um, just because we can't let it go to September. Uh, yeah, why not? And so uh, Maddie's like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> hey, can you have this ready to go?" Well, it's Wednesday, no. so like pretty quick. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Kidding <laughs> I mean, if you can make it happen, uh, Tab family, we love you. Yeah. Um, Paul, thanks. Oh, um, we appreciate you, and we're love excited to see what God continues to do this week. Um, Don't do it. No shout outs. Don't do it. Poopy. Uh, that's what they should call it. <laughs> <'cause> <laughs> you're, you're gonna to, we're going to get sued, Matt. You got to blur the terrible. can out. Terrible. <laughs> you have to blur the can out. We're Worst thing sued. ever. Free shout out Mountain Dew Baja Blast. This episode has been fueled by them. And uh, until next time, this is Paul, Adam, and Britton signing off. Love y'all.